Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. Got your Bibles, open them up to the book of Ephesians tonight is where we're going to uh, start. And as you're turning there, Jenny Burkett asked me to tell you that she needs money. And uh, it's just been a tough... No, Jenny needs money because every year at this time... Jenny, would you wave at everybody? Every year at this time, she collects money for, to, uh, for us to give to our college students. We have about 20, 25 college students who are outside of uh, this place. They've gone to different places. And so she collects that money. And you turn it into gift cards. She turns it into gift cards, and then she sends it with a note and a card from our church saying, we want you to know we love you, do well. It's almost midterm time at their different colleges, and we want our students to graduate and do well and uh, do the work of the ministry, right? And so if you have money, Jenny wants your money. And so she said, please tell the people to come see me and get my, give me money for our students. And if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 4. Brother Dion, thank you for being here tonight. So blessed to have you. And I, I was thinking about uh, my son Luke as you were talking last night, or as you were talking tonight. Last night was kind of a long day, did a number of different things. And so when I got home last night, it was about 6.30, we finished eating dinner, and I said, I'm going to go for a walk. Who wants to go for a walk with me? And Luke says, I'll go with you. And I love having Luke. Luke's my nine-year-old. So okay, cool. let's go, Luke. So we get dressed and we go on a walk. And as we're going to go on the walk, I said to Luke, uh, do you want to ride your bike or do you want to ride your scooter? And he said, no, I'm going to ride my scooter tonight. All right. So he gets out into the garage and he's getting his scooter out. Now he has two scooters. He has a, a little kid's scooter with, with three wheels on it. And he's kind of past that three-wheel scooter, but he's real comfortable with it. And then he's got this one that his grandma Bird got him, and it's got light-up wheels, Star Wars light-up handles, but he doesn't ride that one too much. It's one of those Razor scooters because he's just not comfortable on it. And when you fracture your skull, uh, <laughs> you just are a little bit more tepid on different things. So I said, no, tonight we're not going to do the little kid scooter. Tonight we are going Razor scooter. He said, ah. I said, no, come on, you're going to do Razor Scooter with me. Let's go. And so we, we hiked around the block about a mile and a half. My sister and brother-in-law came by, honked at us, waved high, didn't offer us a ride. And we were walking, as we were walking around, about a mile into our walk. We were only about a mile and a half for the entire walk. About a mile into the walk, uh, he's, he's carrying the scooter. I, I looked behind him, and he's carrying the scooter on his shoulders. And I said, bro, what are you doing? He said, I just don't like this. It's a lot of work and learning it, and I'm not very good at balancing. I said, it's such a dad moment. I said, son, you have to do hard things. You've got to, you can't just be comfortable. You have to learn to change. You need to learn how to grow. And so he puts the thing down, and he starts riding on it, pushes it a few more times, and says, what's wrong with being comfortable? <laughs> Did you ever feel that way? What's wrong with being comfortable? I'm okay. Let's just be fine where we are. I'll just ride the five-year-old scooter all my life, and we'll be okay. That's kind of what the Lord is speaking to in this passage. A few weeks ago, Pastor Shore led us off on a study that we've entitled Built Earth Tough. The purpose of this study is to give us the tools, help us to understand the offices that God's given us, the 
pieces that God's given us to be successful here on this life, and so that we can utilize them for his glory. And understand, this earth is a rough place, isn't it? It's not heaven. In fact, just walking in tonight, a friend of mine told me about a family member that is facing eternity very soon. Okay, well, heaven's a wonderful place, isn't it? The Bible talks about streets of gold. The, Jesus said, in my Father's house are many... Hello, that's all right. If you've ever been to a mansion, that's a place you want to hang out for a long time. In my Father's house are many mansions. So heaven's a wonderful place. There's comfort, there's beauty, there's glory. You're in the presence of Jesus, face to face with Jesus. That's okay, right? But you're not there yet. You're here on this earth. So God's given us tools to be earth tough. Those tools are outlined for us if you have your Bibles in Ephesians chapter 4. In verse number 11, the Bible says this, and he gave some apostles. When we talk about apostles, we do not believe that that office is in continuance now except through the ministry of the word of God. He gave some apostles. He gave some prophets. Those are sometimes people who would speak out foretell truth, but most oftentimes they were talking about the truth that God had already given and the need to follow the word of God. He gave some apostles. He gave some prophets. He gave some evangelists. These are people whose primary focus, their, the attention of their ministry is on soul winning. They're not shepherding. They're not discipling, though they can do that. They have a passion. They have a burden to see folks come to Christ as their Savior. We gave some pastors and some teachers, and we talked about the different offices of pastor and teacher, how a pastor is a shepherd, a pastor is an overseer, he's an administrator of the the ministry of the church. He is also a counselor, he's an elder who has sage advice that's from the Word of God that's able to counsel, direct, and show people truth on how to live and how not to live. Then we saw last week, and Brother Matt did such a good job. Brother Matt is a true theologian. In fact, Matt, has, uh, Matt Marler has a uh, more robust degree theologically than I have, and that's just because he's really smart. But he's got a great degree, and when he was talking about um, what it means to be a saint— And how if you trusted Christ as your Savior, you are a saint. You are used, he used the Greek word hagios. When I was in college, I had to study Greek. And I'd always try to do word associations to remember the vocabulary. And the word hagios is the word holy or the word saints. And the way I remembered hagios is by associating it with hagendos. Because Haagen-Dazs ice cream is separate, it's higher, it's better than any other type of ice cream. So I remember, that's my one Greek word that I remember, Hagios. Unfortunately, there was no Greek equivalent for Ben and Jerry's. The Bible says in verse number 11, the Bible says, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So tonight, we want to look at that special phrase right there, for the work of the ministry. You'll see here as we follow along, for edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of his stature of the fullness of Christ. So you're not in heaven yet. You're not in heaven. You're in Las Vegas. (laughs) If you're in a cornfield, you're in Iowa. This isn't heaven, but since we're here, there is a place for us to live. There's a way for us to live, and there's tools. And the Bible tells us that these tools, the pastors, the evangelists, the apostles, the prophets, they were given to us so that we could do what? Be perfected as saints. So that when Robert goes to work tomorrow, Robert's got a hundred different things he's got to do tomorrow, right? Okay, a hundred different things. So you, but you're supposed to be a Christian tomorrow at work. So 
the work, the, these gifts are given to you and given to Megan. Not only do you have to go to work tomorrow, you, you get to be a husband tomorrow, right? You get to be a dad tomorrow. For crying out loud, you've even been praying that God would allow you to be a dad tomorrow, right? So how do I dad? How do I husband? How do I work tomorrow? Oh, the Bible gives you these gifts so that you can be perfected, these tools, so you can be equipped in this world. So that why? This is the second phrase tonight that we want to study. To do the work of the ministry. To do the work of the ministry. Let's look at a couple of things tonight. Point number one, let's look at work. Uh, I believe there are notes. If you don't have a copy of the notes, they are out in the lobby. And if you raise your hand, I'm sure somebody will bring you one because they just want to be... Look at Ken. Ken's just a servant. Don't you, if you love Ken Fittis, say yes. You were a little slow there, Gina. That was slower than I, I, was, I was expecting you to be like, amen, praise the Lord. And when Ken walks in, just hold your hand up and Ken will bring him to you. Okay, I want you to see a couple of things about work because we can't live our lives just being comfortable. You don't get to sit in your couch and watch Netflix. You don't get two weeks stay at home, six weeks stay at home, unless you're in the Philippines and you have to be locked down forever. But that's not the purpose of life. There is nothing in life that is free. There's no free lunch, as somebody said. Notice this, that the Bible tells us that work is a gift of God. The Bible says that God created this entire world perfect. On day number one, he created light and darkness. On day number two, he separated the firmament. On day number three, he created the plants and the trees and the grass and all the green things. On day number four, created the sun, the moon, and the stars. On day number five, created the fish, and he created the fowls. On day number six, he created the animals. And on day number seven, he created what? nothing. He rested. So on day number seven, there was rest. The Bible says that everything that he made was, it's a four-letter word, it was good. When God created this earth, he created it good. Now, this is what's fascinating. Work is a gift of God. The Bible tells us this in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. And God blessed them, this is the man and the woman, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. The Bible tells us responsibility number one of man is have more babies. Responsibility number two of man is to take care, oversee this responsibility called earth. Number three, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing. There's a work that is intended for man. Man's not just supposed to sit back and pop grapes in his mouth and watch everything else go on. There is a work. It is a gift of God to work. It is a privilege of God to work. When a person, you know a person who's without a job, primary prayer request, pray that I get that job. Pray that I'm able to go back to work. I'm hurt. I'm sick. I'm ill. Pray that I'm able to go back to work. Why? Because we understand that work is a gift of God. The Bible tells us that God values work. When a person is doing work, it is of high value to God. Notice what the Bible says in Ephesians 4, verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good. What does God say about work? He says it is what? Help me out one more time. He says it is what? It is good when a man works. It is good 
when a woman works. The Bible tells us in your past life, you would scheme, you would manipulate, you would doctor your timesheet, you would, you would steal from different folks so that you could advantage yourself. God says, you're a Christian. If you know Christ is your Savior, there is a value. It's called work. You go to work, and when you work, it is good. And your work is not only good and well-pleasing in the sight of God, but it takes care of your needs, and it gives you the ability to give to others. Because there is a time when you get sick. There is a time when you're out of work. There might be a time when you become aged. Your, fa your father, your mother, they become in a place where they can't do the work that they used to do. And so the Bible says, while you can work, you work. You're taking care of your own needs, but you're also working so that you can give out of the abundance of what you have. So that when we see a missionary like Brother Diom come here, how do we take care of Brother Diom? Brother Diom, when he goes to the Philippines, he doesn't have a wonderful American church like this to take care of his needs like I do. What he has to supply his needs is he goes to different churches like ours, and those different churches, they receive a collection and they give it to him on a month-by-month -month basis so that while he's in the Philippines, he's able to be an American in the Philippines. He can come back and report back two American churches about what's going on in the Philippines. And the Bible tells us in the book of 2 Corinthians that there is fruit that abounds to ascending church's account because if we give money to him and he tells somebody about Jesus, guess what? If you gave money to missions here at Liberty Baptist Church, you have fruit that abounds to the account in the Philippines. You ever been to the Philippines? I have not. You've been to the Philippines, and I don't know that I will ever go. I've had many of our Filipino uh, and Filipina, Pinoy, Panay. Am I doing okay there? All right. I've had many of them say, oh, you need to go with me to the Philippines, and maybe someday I'll go to the Philippines. But I have fruit that abounds to my account in the Philippines because Brother Diom is over there. So how did you, how did you support Brother Diom? I didn't take mo food out of my family's mouth to support him. That would be wrong because the Bible says, he that provideth not for his own is worse than an infidel. So I don't take food. I make sure that my needs are met. I make sure that uh, the, the cares of my life are taken care of. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that I'm responsible to take care of my wife. He that hath a wife careth for the needs of this world. So those things are met, but the, the Lord burdens me. And so each month, there's a certain amount of money that I give to missionaries. And every month, I give X number of dollars to missionaries. And every month, those X number of dollars, the Lord uses those in conjunction with Bob's and in conjunction with Ken's and in conjunction with Pastor Shores. And we put those monies together and we send them to uh, Brother Diome. And last week, we sent them to um, Chris Reed, our missionary to Thailand. And missionaries, we have about 100 different missionaries that we send funds to. Why? Because when you work at wherever you're working, whenever... Um, Brian Casillas is out doing plumbing, HVAC, and whatever other thing. Brian can fix just about anything. Whenever Brian's doing his work, he works, he works, he works, but he takes care of his needs. He's got to make sure that Roseanne is happy because that's his, that's his responsibility, and they work together. They've got goals. They've got ambitions, they, but they give, and when they give, it goes to take care of him, and the gospel goes forward. Why? Because the Bible values work. Number three, work is part of our identity. 
From time to time, when somebody's in a high tension or a high stress situation, people will say to them, you've got to remember your work is not your identity. And I get that. You know, a person who's in a, a high capacity situation. Here's a, let's, let's say a, uh, an athlete. An athlete, and he works really hard for 12, 15, 18 years. You saw it this past year in Tom Brady. Tom Brady, who is the greatest of all time quarterbacks, um, if you want to argue with that, you can argue with somebody. Greatest of all time. He was, his identity was wrapped up in play, being a football player, so much so that he would allow his family to crumble apart so that he could continue to play football. So there is a place where you can over-identify as a mechanic. You can over-identify as a police officer. You can over-identify about who your job is to the neglect of your other responsibilities. But make no doubt about it, God allows us to, uh, to absorb our identity in our work. The Bible gives us several illustrations. Here's just a few of them. In the New Testament, Jesus called, called people who were workmen to do his work. Andrew, Peter, James, and John, these are just 12 of his apostles, or just a few of his apostles. The Bible tells us that each one of these were fishermen. Now, did God tell them, you'll never fish again? No, in fact, the Bible tells us he used their skill as fishermen to do what? Become fishers of what? Yeah, so the skill set that God had given them. Matthew, the apostle, he was a tax collector. Do you think that there was certain skill sets that Matthew brought into the work of the ministry? 100%. He He was a person whose work was valued. Simon Zelotes, he was a political operative. He was somebody who was passionate about politics. Anybody passionate about politics in here say yes. Oh, good. A few of you are. Some of you, the rest of you are not passionate about politics. That's okay. Simon Zelotes, he was a zealot by his name. He was, he was on Tucker Carlson every single night live tweeting. That's what he was doing every single day. If he was alive today, he was all about what's going to happen here, what's going to happen here. He would have been all about it. He was a political operative. Judas, the Bible tells us that his occupation was he was a thief. That's literally what his job was. He was a thief. Isn't that fascinating? John chapter 12, verse number 6. Other occupations in the Bible. Let's see if you can put a, no, uh, a name with these people. There was a guy who was a boat builder. There was many people who were farmers. There were several folks who were shepherds. There was people who were composers of music. Now check this out. Work is valued by God. People found their identity in their work. And if God's given you a job, if you, what was, what was Jesus' stepdad known for being? He was a carpenter. And you know what? As far as we know, Joseph never preached one Bible message. As far as we know, there wasn't a time when he opened up Isaiah chapter 53 and he said, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. We never see him do that one time in Scripture. Do you think that God used Joseph? If you do, say yes. Yes, but the guy, as far as we know, never went and studied the origins of the Hebrew language and the verb tenses. As far as we know, the guy was making chairs and building things, and he was a craftsman, but he was used of God. His identity was wrapped up in his work, and God applauds work. There were composers. There were contractors. There's a guy named Benaiah. 
All he did is he built, he built. When the temple was going to get built, go get Benaiah. He's the guy who knows how to do it. There were artisans. There were people who knew how to make um, luxury items. There were leather workers, people that built leather stuff. And uh, there were tent makers. There were soldiers. There were consultants, people whose whole job was to give consulting. A guy named um, Ahithophel. His entire job was that he just advised the king. He was a political advisor to the king, etc., etc., etc. The whole point of point number one is this, that God values work. And if you're an engineer, if you're a salesman, if you're in the military, if you're in a government contract, whatever your work is, it's so important to realize God values work. You are not a second-tier person. You're not missing a higher calling. If you work with horses, if you work in um, government, if you work in a number of different areas, God values your work. And there is no more noble calling than what your calling is. And if you're at a place where you think, well, I feel God's moving me to go to this place, then go to that place. And if you feel like God wants you to do something different, then go to that thing that's different. Don't be outside of the will of God. Be inside of the will of God, but recognize that in the will of God could be very well as the manager of a hotel or driving for Amazon or delivering packages for the USPS. There is a number of different occupations that God just says, I value your work. God values work. And so the Bible tells us that a pastor, a prophet, an apostle, an evangelist, they're put into your life. They're put into your life. And and I don't say this to be funny. God gives me into your life because you do work. And as you do that work, the Bible tells us that that work is supposed to retain a broader focus. Follow me and I will make you to become what? fishers of men. So here was Simon's life. What was all of Simon's energy about? I want you to think, don't answer out loud for a second, but day in and day out, what was the purpose of what Simon Peter did every day as a fisherman? Now just think about it for a second. He wakes up on Sunday morning. He goes out, gets in his boat. He goes out and catches 47 fish. Catches those 47 fish, brings them into the market. When he brings them into the market, let's say uh, the price for fish that day is 50 cents a head. So he brings those fish in, or maybe it's by the pound or by the scale. He makes 25 bucks that day. Takes that 25 bucks, he pays a couple of his bills, takes a fair of a few of his obligations, maybe buys his wife flowers, and then starts the whole cycle over again. Then starts the whole cycle over again. Isn't that the same thing that we do today? We just changed the name of our bill collectors. Our bill, collect, our bill collectors are now called Envy Energy or Southwest Gas or the Las Vegas Valley Water District. Do any of you have those obligations as well? How many of you have a rent or a mortgage you have to pay? How many of you have a, a cell phone that you have to pay? How many of you have to pay a car insurance or a car payment? So we have changed the name 
of the people that we pay. But just like we have obligations, Simon would have had obligations. And Jesus gives him a new focus. With your work, your work is no longer, you're not just doing this to go through the cycle and go through the methods so that you can grow up, live, die, enjoy a few meals, maybe get a little bit bigger houses, maybe get a little fluffier cushion on your pillow, maybe someday get a horse, maybe someday get a chariot. Ooh, wouldn't that be awesome? Maybe someday get a bigger boat, maybe someday get two boats, maybe someday have a whole fleet of boats. But at the end, you're going to die. And so what the Lord says is, this is not what you're made for. You are not just made to be a fisherman. Catch it. And I don't know what your occupation is, and I don't know how to fill in the blank for you, but you were not just made for this. You are to be a fisher of men. You have a broad scope. You have an eternal scope so that when you make signs, when you fix that doorknob, whenever you are teaching those students, whenever you are working your social security and you're retired, when you are doing your work, you have an eternal purpose. Your life is worth more than a $206 payment to Envy Energy, which happened to be my bill last month. And I'm so thankful it is. Could you imagine? I mean, the, if every month it was all about this next payment and this next payment, and I just got to grind, and maybe we'll be able to go to the Outback. Sorry, kids, we're going to Chipotle. Nope, we're not going to Chipotle. We're finding whatever's left over in the bottom of the pantry at the end of the month. If that's what life is all about, then life no as bueno. So notice, the Bible tells us that our, we, on, we not only have work, but the Bible tells us that we have a vocation. There's a difference between a job and a career, aren't there? A job is something you do. A career is something you love. I love doing this. This is what I do. This is, I wake up every morning, and I am, I'm trying to accomplish a task. If I'm, if I'm making fries at Wendy's, that's good. It's wonderful. It's, it's, a, it's an awesome job. But very few people say, my entire life, I just love the the grease, and I just love the fries, and I just want to make a, be fry maker my entire life. The Bible tells us you have a vocation, and I have a vocation, and that vocation is sacred. Because as Matt said last week in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints, which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. God tells us that as a Christian, you are holy. You are sacred. Okay, I'll tell you a cool story. You see these rocks up here? If you see these rocks up here, say yes. Okay, good. I'm glad you guys are still with me here and you have your glasses on. Okay, so these rocks, these rocks, um, these rocks are natural stone. They're real stone. So they're not fabricated. They're not manufactured. They are real stone. This, these come in, in stacks, probably about 10 inches by 20 inches, okay? Something like that. And uh, when we got these, they were left over from city center. So there is a, there's a lobby down in city center someplace that, had, uh, that they built a whole wall and a whole thing like this. And a guy who's a member of our church said, if you would like these, these stones, I can get you these stones for free. They're $10 at that time in 2013, whenever we redid this building, in 2000, excuse me, 2014, when we redid this building, uh, it was $10 a square foot. So this would have been at least $65. So it was $10 a square foot to put all of this stuff on here, okay? We didn't, we didn't necessarily want to pay $10 a square foot, but he said, we'll give that to you for free. Now, can I tell you something about this? 
this is wonderful stone, but there's nothing holy about it. It wasn't, it wasn't mined from the caves of Engedi. It's probably manufactured over in China. Okay? This, this stage is not harvested from the cedars of Lebanon in Scripture. In fact, um, it was probably just purchased over at the Home Depot. Right? There's nothing holy about that stone. There's nothing holy about this, um, uh, about the stage. There's nothing holy about the carpet, except for maybe literally a hole or two. But the Bible calls that, that, this, this, these lights. It says, this is the temple of the living God. He says in the book of 1 Timothy that you may know how to behave yourselves in the house of God, which is in the church of God, which is the house of God, the, the pillar and ground of truth. What makes this holy? What makes that stage holy? What makes that rock holy? What makes this plexiglass holy? Was it dedicated by Solomon? No. What makes it holy is you and me. This becomes the church because we are in it. You make that which is secular sacred because every place you go, the Spirit of God is inside of you. That's an amazing thought. Well, all I do is deliver packages for Amazon. It's a holy calling. Well, all I do is I change diapers at daycare. It's a little bit of a stretch, but it's a holy calling. Why? Because you make it holy where you go. C.S. Lewis said it this way, there is no segregation between the secular and the sacred. You are a saint of God. The Holy Spirit of God rests inside of you, and wherever you go becomes a holy place. That's an unfathomable truth. I, have a diff- I understand that theologically, but it's a hard thing for me to ascertain in my practical life. Vocation, you are sacred. There is a secular part of it too. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fail. You have a calling from God. You have a calling and election from God. So work at being the Christian God wants you to be. If you're the Christian God wants you to be, at your place of service, you will be exemplary. If you're the Christian God wants you to be, you can take that mundane task of fishing and make it holy. Look what the Bible says. Why? Because what know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Look at this verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, for we ourselves groan with ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Why is it sometimes we don't feel as if though we have a holy calling? Because your body is not saved yet, okay? Your hair, or lack thereof, is not saved yet. Your scalp, your, your fingers, your toes, your legs, this part of you is not saved. That's why your body, when you get out of bed in the morning and it goes pop, 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 because you're getting old. 
And sin is inside of this body. That sin loves to do that which is wrong. And the Bible tells us that there's an internal conflict between that which is secular and that which is secular, that our flesh is another way of saying that. And in our spirit, because our spirit lives within the the, the confines of our body, everything we do can be holy. Are you saying going to Chuck E. Cheese can be holy? Yes. Going to Disneyland can be holy. Going to a baseball game can be holy. There's an, unless it's a St. Louis Cardinals game. But almost every other, it's a, it's a holy activity because you make it holy until you trespass into that which is sinful. How do I know that which is sinful? The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, lasciviousness, all of the works of the flesh that are against the work of God. But when you're going to work, you are doing a holy activity. When you're raising your kids, holy activity. I'm homeschooling. Holy activity. It's a holy activity. And the Bible tells us that here on this earth, sometimes we struggle by understanding that because our body is beating us up. It's not saved yet. But make no doubt about it, God desires for us to have holy activities. There's a sacred, there's a secular, and then finding our spot. The Bible says this, what do I do where I am? I want to do the work of the ministry. I want to, I've got tools. I need to do the work of the ministry. This is what I do. Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Have you ever heard somebody say, someday I'm gonna? That's how the Bible says we should not live. The Bible says do it now. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do the laundry Doing, folding the towels can be a holy exercise, 100%. Doing, um, mowing the lawn, holy activity, 100%. Yeah, well, I wasn't doing anything godly. I was just out mowing the lawn. Do it with all thy might. Wherever you are stationed, wherever your position is, wherever your neighborhood is, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. You give it 100%. For there's no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. You only have one life to live. You've got one shot at this. And you might live to be 50, you might live to be 80, you might live to be 106, but you only have one shot at this, so give it everything you have. Turn off the Wi-Fi, communicate, talk, put the remote down, and do whatever God's given you to do with all your might. Do it with all your might. Notice this verse in the New Testament. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do it all to what? The glory of God. So if you are selling houses, do it to the glory of God. If you're selling cars, if you're putting stuff on offer up, if you are um, accounting for a, a for, for a large Fortune 500 company, do it to the glory of God because it is holy. You're the saint of God. Do what God wants you to do for his glory. Give him praise. Give him honor. Use all of your energy and exercise so that the glory of God is seen in and through your life in whatever you're doing. You say, well, Pastor Matt, I'm not a pastor. Ring-a-ding-ding. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor. Well, I'm not a master to And by the way, I respect Brother Diom, and I, I think you would understand this. But his calling is no more noble than yours.
because he's doing whatsoever his hands found to do, and he's doing it with all his might, at least I'm assuming, right? For the glory of the Lord. So whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. Well, I'm just um, a, a day laborer for a construction firm. Do it for the glory of God. Well, I'm a waiter or I serve. Do it all for the glory of God. And in doing so, it is holy, it is noble. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, verse 12, Now them that are such command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. You know what God says a good life is? A good life is when you go to work, you put in a good day's work, and you come home and have a meal with your family. Isn't that like the best day? I didn't do anything amazing. Yes, you did. In fact, this is one of the exhortations God gives to people. He says, hey, Christians, don't think you have to go out and raise a ruckus. You don't have to be upset. You don't have to retweet. You don't have to go out and start a letter campaign. You don't have to march in the streets. You know what you can do? With quietness, do your work. And um, eat your own bread. Well, that, that, seems, that seems pretty amazing, actually. Seems pretty amazing. The Bible teaches us this. We have work. Work's noble. It's awesome. It's great. We have a vocation. We have a calling that is above what we do. Then let's look at ministry. Notice what the Bible says about ministry. And this is what service is. This is where service starts to happen. When we understand, uh, I shouldn't say it this way. This is not where service starts to happen. This is where service continues to grow would be a better way of saying it. Because when you go to work tomorrow, you are doing the work of God. If you're not, quit and do the work of God, okay? If you're doing a job that is averse to the things of God, and there would be some of those, right? (laughs) You live in Las Vegas. There would be some of those, right? Okay, so there would be some things, oh, I can't do this. What's your occupation? Oh, I'm a bank robber. Okay, well, um, let's let's have a, a, a career counseling moment here together. I had a guy one time come into my office, and he said, uh... I'm convicted about what I'm doing. I said, okay, well, what's going on? He said, well, I got this job. I'm making good money. He was making, if I remember, about $70,000 a year. I said, that's good. He said, it takes care of my wife, takes care of my rent, takes care of my family. And he says, it's, it's a good job. It's just, I'm not sure I should be doing it. I said, well, what are you doing? He says, I, I, um, I'm a, a bouncer, and he named uh, a strip club downtown. I said, oh, yeah, yeah probably shouldn't do that. I said, I'm going to, he said, what should I do? I said, you need to get a new job. He said, yeah, I think you're right. I thought that's what you were going to say. I'm glad I got that one right, right? I'm a bouncer at a strip club downtown. Yeah, it's probably, probably not a good thing. And uh, he said, would you pray? Yeah, I'm going to pray with you. About two weeks later, I remember I was driving to California and I was pulling on to uh, Cherokee Road where Ironwood is. He called me, Pastor Matt, Pastor Matt. I said, hey, what's up, man? He said, I got a new job. I said, oh, that's awesome. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm a bouncer. At a, just a nightclub, though. It's just a regular nightclub. <laughs> just a regular nightclub. You know what I appreciate about that? There was, there was steps of sanctification in his life. All right? Would I recommend that anyone in here go become a bouncer at a nightclub? I hope you understand. I'm not condoning that, and I'm not like, hey, there's, there's a good step of discipleship, but for him... 
it was a good step of growth, right? And I praise the Lord that he was working in his mind saying, this is bad, and I know I want to get to this place, and, and maybe I'm not all the way there. And by the way, no Christian in here is all the way there. All right, so none of us are like, I, if you need everything, come see me. I've got it all. No, there are people who have grown and we've made decisions, but nobody's perfect in here. And so here's a man who, with his life, said, oh, look, I want to see the Lord work in my life. I'm going to give up this. By the way, he gave up $20,000 a year to do that. You want to talk about sanctification? $20,000 is a pretty big step of sanctification. But it was something that his conscience was working on him for. So ministry is wherever I understand God's given me a position, God's given me a job, I work that with all my might, okay? What is ministry church? Ministry is where in the church the Bible tells us, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And this is the first and great commandment. Do you remember they came to him saying, What is the best commandment? That's so messed up. Trying to be, which of the top ten is the toppest of the top ten? For crying out loud, bro. Okay, here it is. Let's wrap it all down into two things. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And this is the first and great commandment. Okay, I guess you're right. Good. That's the first four. And the second is like unto that. All the other things about coveting and adultery and lying and murder. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Do you want somebody to murder you? No, then don't murder somebody else. Okay, that's a good commandment. On these, verse 40 says, hang all the law and the prophets. Okay, so this is the commandment from God. The commandment of God is love God and love others. Before Jesus is about to die, he changes the commandments. Did you know that? He changes the commandments. What are the, what are the greatest commandments? To love God, love others. And he says, love one another as you love yourself. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Remember that? Go back there. See, love thy neighbor as thyself. He changes the commandment. Before he dies, Jesus changes the commandment. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love your neighbor as yourself. Is that what he says? Nope, we're changing that commandment. You don't love your neighbor as yourself. That ye love one another as what? I have loved you. That ye also love one another. The command of ministry is this. Why do you serve in ministry? Ministry is to be done to other Christians. The Bible command from God is that you need to serve other Christians. That's really bold but you have a mandate, the top command from God. Not, not, not me saying it. Who says it? Jesus says this, right? This is the top command. You serve other Christians. Are you serving other Christians? Do you walk a parking lot so that people can hear about Jesus? Do you bring meals to people who have just had a baby? Do you serve other Christians? You have a mandate from God to serve other Christians, to show love to other Christians. Isn't that amazing? Notice this. Well, how are people going to know that I'm a Christian? Well, because I got a Bible and I carry it everywhere. I put a fish on the back of my car. I have a WWJD bracelet. That way, I listen to 90.5 and even more Christian because I listen to 101.1. I'm an even better Christian, okay? That's not how people know you're a Christian. You know how people know you're a Christian? The Bible says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. There is something sacred and holy about working in the nursery. Why? 
because that shows the love of God. There's something sacred and holy about coming and playing a guitar or singing in a choir or vacuuming a floor because in this room, you may or may not have noticed, but this floor was vacuumed today because somebody loves you. If you look at those envelopes in the chair in front of you, they are there because somebody loves you. The people that did that, nobody paid them to do it. They did that because they love you. And when you see the people who did that, it's, oh, that's a real Christian right there. Why? They go on Saturdays and they go on Wednesdays and they, and they put the pens in there. They love you. They're a real Christian. The Bible tells us this. We minister to our church. We show love. We minister to our community. Notice what the scriptures this say in 1 Thessalonians 4.12, that you may walk honestly toward them that are without, that you may have lack of nothing. God tells us not only are we supposed to minister to each other, but we're supposed to minister to people who are outside of the church. For that reason, we have things like Easter Sunday. Oh, that's going to be a wonderful day to celebrate, but you have lost friends and neighbors that need Jesus as their Savior. And so Easter Sunday, it's a wonderful time. Come, you need to come. You need to come. You need to come because there's people outside of these walls that don't know your Jesus, and without Jesus, they will spend an eternity damned in a lake of fire. It's a horrible experience. So God tells us we should serve. We should serve by doing things like Christmas experience. Why do we give away 200 Christmas trees? Do you know that that's $8,000? It costs $8,000 to buy 200 Christmas trees. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of Christmas trees. But if you were here on December 3rd this past year, you saw that this line was twice that when 5 o'clock came around. And people wanted Christmas trees. And there were 800 people who had never come to this church before. They sat in these seats, and they heard about Jesus Christ. Why? Because the Bible tells us to minister to them that are without from time to time, you'll see news articles. These are, these are opportunities I've had. The one on the top left, there was a, 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 a dad killed his wife and his three kids. And we were asked to go there and show comfort to the neighborhood. Down here, the most violent crime area in the entire city of Las Vegas, they ask us to come. And whenever you see my face on a newspaper or you see about this church being in the news or on the news on the evening, understand that's you doing the work of the ministry outside of these walls. You are doing that. That's not me. That's not Pastor Shore. That's not my dad. That is you doing the work. This is you obeying the command, not just to love one another as I have loved you, but this is the command to show to them that are without. Finally, we minister to the entire world. So good that Brother Diom's here. Why? Because the Bible says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Notice the singularity of this. It doesn't say y'all. It says, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, singular, and you, ye, singular, shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. I've never been to the Philippines, but I have a mandate from God to share Jesus with Filipinos. Over here are two gentlemen from a camp up in northern Michigan called Camp Kobiak. And they, they, this past summer, how many young people were saved at Camp Kobiak? 30. 30 young people were saved at Camp Kobiak. 
you had a part in that. Why? Because you helped support that missions work up in northern Michigan. You might love northern Michigan. You might never want to go to northern Michigan. But there's two guys who are saying we live our life to help people in northern Michigan. And so when we, we wrote a check earlier this summer to Camp Kobiak, you have fruit that abounds to your account. Why? You may never go to northern Michigan. It's beautiful sometimes of the year. January it's not. But it's beautiful you may never go to the Philippines. You may never go to Thailand, but you have a mandate to go into the uttermost parts of the world. The Bible says, go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to what every creature. You have a mandate from God, not just in your church, not just in your city or your community, but throughout all of creation to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the work of the ministry. Understand you have a noble and holy calling doesn't matter where you're getting your paycheck. You have a vocation from Almighty God to do the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is many times done on a day-by-day basis. It's done at times and oftentimes when you're serving and working the work of the ministry here. Doing the work of the ministry on April 1st, no fooling, we're going to have 300 people go out and knock doors in this community. That's the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is whenever we give to folks to go into all creation, God's equipped us because his power, his word, and his work is to go forward from this place and transform the world. I hope you're part of it because that's what God's built us here, left us here. And you have the tools to be earth tough. Father, thank you for your word and time together tonight and pray that you use it for your glory. Encourage us to do your work and glorify yourself in doing so. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.